Welcome to another episode of the Off Market Operator Podcast, you guys. Today, we are still on the boat for another episode with my man, Greg Helbeck, who splits time between San Diego, where I live, and uh, New York area. And he's an incredible entrepreneur and real estate business owner. He's got a good portfolio himself and flips and wholesales and does all kinds of stuff as well. Puts out a lot of really good educational free content on Instagram. He's not a grifter. He does the business. Um, he's not another course guy that's out there showing courses. So, um, great show today, you guys. And without further ado, we're gonna get right into it. People don't fail at real estate because they suck. They fail because there's too many ways to succeed. That's why I suggest you focus on the most important skill in all of real estate, which is finding deals. I'm Colbert Johnson, and in this podcast, I share the exact steps I've used to source 400 deals by age 24. This will allow you to do three things, control your deal flow, make unlimited income, and build your empire as an off-market operator. Cool, my man Greg is uh, here with me live on the boat in, uh, in San Diego, or as we call the podcast studio. Um, according to the IRS, this is a studio. It, it, very is, well, is, I, the cameras are here for evidence. That's all team. you need to know. All, probably, my man has a witness right here. Yes, I see with three his eyeballs on it. Thankfully, the marine layer is kind of burned off. We've recorded some shows earlier where we, we had a marine layer, but I mean, I've been looking forward to this for a long time, and we've gotten to know each other through social media over the past, I would say, two years, yeah. um, and kind of developed a, a friendship relationship from that. And you do a lot of cool stuff in the real estate space, and you've built yourself a cool brand. and. Uh, become one of the guys that's it runs in a lot of the big circles. So I'm excited for the show, my man. Welcome on. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, really excited about this. When I got back from my trip, you're like, "Hey, podcast uh, Friday." I'm like, "Absolutely." I wanted, I wanted to get you nice and jet lagged. Yeah, that's just, right. Just to make sure you were uh, you would talk about anything. That's um, right. So if you had to uh, intro yourself, man, in, in three sentences or less, how are you doing it? So I would say full time real estate investor, virtual real estate investor. Um, multiple exit strategies not the biggest business but not the smallest business and definitely have a lot Schmedium. of Schmedium. Yeah, <laughs> Schmedium. <laughs> that's, right. yeah. that's awesome man so uh tell me about man I, I don't know a ton about you i know you're from new york um living part-time here in san diego yeah. when you feel like hey when you want to be in the sun you want to enjoy your life yeah so tell me about your journey from i don't even know where you went to school or if you did yeah, but yeah. tell me about your school into entrepreneurship journey, just just the basics, what got you into entrepreneurship For sure. and real estate specifically. Absolutely, so basically, long story short, I started when I was 20. So I think you were younger than me when you started. I was about, yeah, 19, yeah, 20. It was 20 years old. It's all the same thing, looking back. Right, you're yeah. like, you know, yeah. super young, and uh, I was trying to make it professional hockey, honestly. I was playing junior hockey and wanted to go to college and play hockey, and that, that whole thing ended up just taking a nosedive. And uh, I got hit with the, the pill of reality that I had to, you know, move on from that and, and, and change the chapter in my life. So. Moved back home with my parents. I was living in Massachusetts, uh, playing hockey, and came back to my parents' house, going to community college, kind of like a loser. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I always wanted to make money, but I just didn't really know how that was going to, you know, come to fruition. So I started reading books, started reading like Rich Dad Poor Dad, all that kind of stuff. And I went to this real estate seminar. My buddy, ironically, sent me a Snapchat about like this seminar in town, like, you know, typical kind of guru pitch. And I went there and they started talking about like double closing houses. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like you can buy a property with somebody else's money and resell it on the same day and make a profit. Like, it just seemed to me like, it seemed crazy, but it also seemed possible, like the way that they were pitching it. So I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a real estate investor. This is what I want to do. Like, I was kind of dabbling with like stocks and I stuff. I found my thing. Yeah, yeah I was like, yeah, the stocks are a little weird. So I'm going all into this real estate. So I, I was like, made a decision at that seminar. I'm like, I'm going to actually do this. Like, I'm not going to like, you know, dilly-dally around. So started out, you know, 20 years old. First thing they started teaching at the seminar was like, 
you got to get leads. You got to generate leads. You got to know how to market. So I didn't have a huge budget when I was 20, and uh, I put out bandit signs, I hand wrote letters, I you know called Craigslist ads, all the kind of free stuff that a lot of people sometimes need to do if they don't have the resources. The grind, right? The hustle. Yeah, the grind. Yeah. I was super. It was a lot of bandit signs actually. So it took me about nine months, but I ended up finding a deal via a bandit sign, and I made like ten thousand dollars assigning it. This is up in Poughkeepsie, New York. And I split that with a mentor 50-50. So I made $5,000 working basically for nine months. Proof of concept. Yeah. So I went back to my parents and I said, hey, like, this works. Here's a check. And then after that, I started doing more, like, bandit signs. And I started understanding how to, like, predictably get leads that way. And then I hand wrote letters. Long story short, the first, like, probably year, year and a half, probably did three or four deals. You know, didn't have a ton of proof of concept, but I had enough to where it made sense and it worked. What do you think you made that first year? First calendar year, uh, dude, like ten that like from when I actually started twelve year twelve months after, yeah, probably like ten, fifteen grand. Yeah. Like the first full year. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, ten, fifteen grand. So proof of concept. Proof of concept working for free. Confidence, basically. yeah. Yeah. Hey mom and dad, I got I know I this works. I made some money. Made Don't some money. Out. Yeah, yeah. Um, how'd that turn into a, a a meaningful amount of money in the next I guess Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll kinda from twenty how did that go yeah. from Man, I made 15 grand, dude. Okay, now I can live off. My, yeah, yeah, it's interesting how yeah. that transitioned. Because honestly, yeah. it was like I think like when you start out as a young entrepreneur, like you you don't really believe it until it happens, but yep. you kind of know it's possible. So yep. I would see a lot of other people making money, and I'm like, all right, well, if these people are making money, like clearly, like I can do the same thing. I met thing. them, and I know they're not that smart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I actually was at a conference here one time, and there was all these like Neanderthals there, and they were making way more money than me, and I'm like. If these people can do it, like there's, there's, I, I'm gonna, I'm getting there soon. Like I just, it's just gonna be a matter of, you know, a little bit more persistence. So, did some deals, kind of spun my wheels. But then after like a year and a half, I started to realize, like, all right, if I actually get really good at lead generation and consistently market and do it in a systematic way, this is gonna be a lot more predictable, right? So. At the time, I was in New York, and I was trying to do business in New York, and like New York is a really tough market. Like there's attorneys, and the sellers are tough, and there's just a lot of red tape up there. So I was running into this issue where I was like, man, like every deal, there's an attorney, they want like a $10,000 deposit, and like it was just really challenging. So I was like, I want, and this is in 2018 now, so this is a couple years later. I'm like, I wonder if I did this in a different state, if it would be any easier. Because I was like, if I do this somewhere else, virtually. So you started in your backyard, at least. Yeah, Because what I don't recommend is like the people that go, oh, I've never done a deal before. I'm going to go to no. Houston, Texas. No, 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 no. That's a recipe for disaster. Because oh, yeah. you're not, it's just, you, there's too many things that you need to learn to then, like, it's just, I think it's really going to set someone up to fail more likely to do that. I think if you have a backyard and you're willing to you know, do your first couple houses, learn how the process works, values, et cetera, I think it's much better. So after I got out of that phase, I was like, Dallas, Texas seems like a pretty big area. It seems like there's a lot of people making money there. And this was in 2018, this is a long time ago. And at least in real estate years. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. Like, ah. It's like dog years, yeah. real estate years. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna figure out how to make this happen in Dallas. And if I run into the same problems in Dallas that I am in New York, then it's my fault. And if I make more money in Dallas than I did in New York, then that was a good idea. So back before like skip tracing, cold calling, uh, like like all these softwares, like this is before all that, I basically learned this thing from my buddy Larry Higgins. He's like basically go after really targeted distressed properties, like laser, to- laser focus on these things and cold call the owners. But like basically like list stack before there was list stackers, 
look for these really high probability like distress deals and cold call them. Yes, it's gonna take time, which I had a lot back then. Not gonna take a lot of money and the spreads are big. And he was doing this in Houston. And this, I was like learning through him mm -hmm. from New York. So I'm like, okay, if he's in Houston, I don't compete with him, I'll do it in Dallas. So I started like pulling these tax delinquent. This is like literally where it took off. Started pulling these tax delinquent lists and before any list stacker was even around, there was this program called AccuZip. Like this uh -huh. is like tactical I steps here. Yeah, yeah, I remember. So I yeah. bought AccuZip. I had yeah. to buy another computer because they didn't work on the Mac. So I yeah. bought a PC. Um, I remember AccuZip. Downloaded man. AccuZip, threw the, uh, the tax delinquent list in there, and then I had all the vacants. I flagged all the vacant houses. And it was funny, like, and this is kind of a long-winded story, but it, like, it'll make sense in a minute. I did a few deals in New York where they were like big wholesale fees, like 20 grand, 30 grand. And all those properties were like vacant tax delinquent properties. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, huh, that might be something I should just target. So I started doing this cold calling to these people in Texas, vacant tax delinquent deceased owner, like inherited property scenarios. And like, this is before people really doing this. Like list stackers didn't exist. Cold calling wasn't very popular. Texting was like just getting started, like right off the ground. And like after doing that for like 60 days, I achieved a lot of momentum just from like every day pulling new properties, calling them, pulling, calling them, getting leads. I got to a point where like one out of every six actual leads was a deal. Wow. And we were, I was making like, I was JVing these deals with someone else because he was in the market, but we're making twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a deal doing like four to five deals a month. Wow. Like back, back in 2018. So my income went from like not that great to a lot, like for the time, you know, it was a lot, jumped up a lot. And I was doing this all remotely. So I didn't have to ever go to the house, never saw the seller. I was just this is the first time where you could say, hey, I can, I can make a full-time living. Oh, this. yeah. It was yeah. it was like the, in 2018, I was probably like 250. So 250 with like minimal expenses. Like for, a, what was I, 23 years old or 22, 23 years old with minimal, because I was just cold calling. It was me, mm -hmm. my time, You're cell rich phone. at that point. 250 yeah. at 23 is more than... Two million at twenty. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. With like, and that—that that was yeah. my take home. That was like the gross. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I know. You're talking about like, the net, net. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. barely. And that's yeah. after taking the JV deals. Like this wasn't two fifty. Then we JV. This is like two fifty to Greg yeah. with barely any expenses yeah. without having your to go New York to these taxes. Houses. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, 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 it is what it is, right? <laughs> uh, still paying those bastards. But yeah. um, anyway, so that was like oh, okay. I, I had this system in Texas where like I knew how to make money every single month. Like it was a predictable thing, but the problem I ran into over time was like, it was taking a lot of my time. I was a one man show. I was only as good as my last deal. I was putting all this effort in, but it was, it was like, listen, I was very thankful for that experience because I was making a lot of money at the time. And I was kind of like, all right, like I can continue to do this or I can like pivot my business and like really turn it more into a business where I spend money and I get a return yeah. on that money and et cetera. Like in terms yeah, I of I talk like about that a lot in the show, man, is, is going from like hustler operator architect and yes, you know, yes. the hustler stage, no matter how good the money is, right? For me, I same I was 21, 22, we were hustling. I was on the phone sometimes. I was yeah, selling man. the deals and yeah. dude, I was making, I mean, I had no bills at then 20 plus grand a month coming in at 21, yeah, dude, 22. It's like more money than God, dude. Yeah, you're, more money you, than that's God. what it feels like, right? Yeah. But then you go, man, I would rather make half of this and not have to do anything. Not yes. do anything, but I'd be much less involved in it. Minimal, yeah. That's when you start going to the operator, where you start making hires and creating a business, yes. and that's, I think, where you're headed. But um, what were the first few things you did when you went to that operator stage? From, yeah, from, sure. from a hustler, you're making money, you're, call, you're cold calling yeah, tax, tax liens all day, too. Yeah. Oh, I, I want this to be, I want to have a business that buys and sells real estate, not, I don't want to be the guy that buys the deal maker guy yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. hustler so what happened was i started to realize over time that truthfully even as big as dallas is 
there's only so many of these leads at any given time. Like I, I pretty much had everything in my database after doing this like a maniac for a couple of years. So I knew eventually that opportunity was gonna dry up and I was gonna have to wait for more properties to come out or go to another city and do it. And it just didn't really seem like a, a viable option because I'm like, I'm only as good as you know the hours I wanna put in, right? And, and it's a high dollar per hour, but it's, despite that, it's still a job basically. Yeah, so, it's a high paying job. Yeah, so at this yeah. point, like I had some money saved. Like I had some money saved and you know, I pretty like I moved out here, but really didn't have that many bills. And I saved a bunch of money. So I was like, all right, I want to do this back in New York again because like I have a lot more experience, mm -hmm. a lot more money, you know, I really like kind of understand how to do this. So I started to take the money that I earned from those deals by cold calling and I would invest it in a direct mail and I would like systematize it to where like I knew like, all right, if I'm spending this, and this is like back when direct mail was like crazy good in New York, like not a lot of competition, yeah. like no one's doing it. Spending money on direct mail and just straight up making a ROAS, like spending, you know, five, 10, whatever grand a campaign, making a three to four to one, using, you know what I mean? And then like in New York, I had boots on the ground. I had, you know, realtors, I had other people and I started flipping houses at that time. So I had like a team, like a, like a indirect team to where I could pretty much run that with much less time. Obviously I was still involved with the sellers at the time, but I didn't have to like sit there and cold call. I was trading money for more money and then I was kind of growing the business organically. Using your that money to, to scale that. Yeah, use, and I didn't have to sit there for four hours like a maniac and call. Like it wasn't like I, I completely got out of that scenario. So I was doing that for a while. And like, as I said, while I was doing that, like I still had this momentum from these Dallas leads, all this database stuff. So we were still doing some deals in Dallas and I was gonna kind of wait for that to completely dry up. And then in 2021, so like that, that lasted for a couple of years, probably doing like gross, like, you know, seven, 800 grand, you know what I mean? And like gross revenue, you know what I mean? So not bad, you know, but not like amazing. And then in 2021, I hired an assistant, like an actual like real assistant. And like, I'm gonna off outsource a lot of my like admin stuff to her. And that was an interesting experience. She's still with me to this day, which is awesome. And then later on that year, I hired an acquisitions person. I hired Brett, who's still on our team to this day. And I, I needed to get out of the day-to-day, -day, like a buying the houses with the sellers, because that was taking up the most time, most energy. I mean, it's something I think I'm pretty good at, but it, I just knew that like, I, I can't be on the phone with sellers anymore. Mm -hmm. And he was really good at that. He actually worked for another investor and he wanted to change directions and wanted to work with me. He actually approached me about it, but um, it was like the perfect fit. So I brought him on and in 20, that was in 2021. So like last year we did right around like, 950 in revenue with a relatively small team. I think we did like 40-ish properties. Uh, and that was, consists of like about half wholesale and then the other half were like flips and wholetails. And uh, now this year we've doubled the business so far and I only have one additional person. I brought in a lead two manager. Two salespeople or lead manager and salesperson? One lead manager, one salesperson, one assistant. And were this you, year. And are, and are you guys targeting what area still? So New York still? New York and Delaware. So what ended up happening was Brett moved to Delaware. He was buying virtually anyway, but he ended up moving to Delaware. Your acquisitions guy. Yeah. Okay. He moved there physically. And I was like, all right, like I didn't care. Like it didn't matter to me. Like he wasn't going on appointments to begin with. And he moved to Delaware and I was like, I was like, dude, like, we should maybe consider buying houses down here. Like, I don't know, maybe it's a good market, maybe it's not. Like, we didn't really know. So last year, this was in 2022, because really it's just working in New York, and did a handful of flips out here, but nothing like really to, you know, nothing crazy, you know, just wholesale or just whatever. here and there, yeah, yeah. Yeah, here and there, do a little marketing, whatever. But he moves to Delaware, 
And we started marketing there and like we really weren't getting shit. And then I did a flip and I broke even on it and I was kind of tainted with it. I was like, ah, I don't know, like this market, maybe this is a distraction. And now our business is like 50-50, Delaware, New York. And I think Delaware is actually gonna surpass New York eventually. And why, what made, why, Cash why? conversion cycle. Quicker, lower price mm-hmm. points. Uh, lower price points, cash conversion cycles way faster. There's no, there's attorneys there, but they're not easier to close deals. Yeah. Easier to close deals. Don't no deposits. Buyers are easier to deal with there. Just a way faster transaction cycle down there. Like and I sell wholesale deals in Delaware, sight unseen. And, and deal in ten minutes. And deal sizes or deal sizes. I would say they're a little smaller in Delaware, but if you factor in the cash conversion cycle and the ROAS we can get because of the speed, it's it's better right now. So ten fifteen. What are you in Delaware? No, it's more than that. It's like 20? it's like eighteen to twenty-two, okay. like average spread. New York, it's higher, but the deals take longer, and like there's a lot more like red tape up there. So, so let's go back to um, your move across the country. Yeah. So you're you're in the middle of starting a business. You're a young guy. You're yeah. twenty-four, twenty-five. You decide you're gonna move across the country to San Diego. I did the same thing. I was yeah. little. I was twenty-two, and yeah. I was like, man, I'm, I can work remote. I want to go, and I, it's it's been one of the things I would say is. I'm, been one of the most important parts of my journey of growing up, becoming a man, and and learning oh, yeah. and being out in the world. And um, so, what prompted that move? How has that affected your business yourself? Yeah, that's a good and, question. And, and break that down. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that, honestly. Uh, that's a good question. And like thinking about it now, I always wanted to live in San Diego because I think it's like if I'm from the Northeast. Why? I don't. It's kind of, I don't it's know. Terrible. I think the weather is just mediocre at best. <laughs> uh, it's very humid. Average-looking girls. Yeah, very, very average. Yeah, a bunch of sloths walking around, you know, a uh, bunch of teethless hillbillies. Uh, no, but I, I, I think being from the Northeast, always like thinking of Southern California, it's like the, the destination for like Northeast people. And, you know, there's Florida over there, but like I just San Diego is such a foreign place to a Northeast person. And I actually visited here once and I was like at a sales conference actually. And uh, I was actually staying at that hotel. At a sales conference? Yeah, Good John Martinez. It was the, the Hyatt. Hyatt, or Hyatt or yeah. I stayed literally, like, I'm looking at the hotel I stayed at. And, like, <laughs> like I'm literally As I ask you the question. That's super uh, yeah, weird, uh, yeah. man. Universe works I in I set it all ways. up, dude. This is a whole setup. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, anyway, so. John. Yeah. <laughs> I'm arrested. Uh, anyway, so I was actually staying there. And uh, I was right, like, literally by that bridge. And I'm like, it was October. And it was just like this. And I said, man, if I can live here, this would be just an absolute dream. You know, the California dream. So I got back. And I like got the whole Dallas thing figured out. And then once I had some momentum there, I was like, screw it. I'm going to, because my income was not dependent upon my location. Like it didn't matter where it was. I could have been in Alaska. So I moved out here by myself on a whim. Parents didn't really believe me. But then once they saw like the momentum in that Dallas business take off, they they were like, all right. Because I kept coming back here and like testing it out, trying areas out, you know. So you're coming over here for spurts of time. Spurts. Yeah. OC, LA, San Diego, just kind of dabbling. And then I was like sizing up apartments. And then uh, I was like, all right, I'm striking in July. I'm coming coming in July. I think, what is it? Is it today the 23rd? 21st. Okay, so two days from now, it'll be my five-year anniversary, which is crazy how time Jeez. flies. Hey, you've been here longer than me. Yeah, so um, yeah, I made the decision. I had to, I wanted to have a certain amount of money in the bank to like prepay for rent in theory, like doomsday scenario. Yeah. Hit that really quickly. And then I just moved out here, shipped my car, took a one-way Southwest flight out here, and, and the rest is history, dude. It was crazy. You know like, no one. Uh, I knew a few people, not, but not a lot. Not like close friends? No, family. not even close, dude. Like there was like maybe four or five people I knew and I moved in by myself in an apartment the first night. This sounds like a, you know, like rags to riches story, but like I wasn't in rags back then. Like 
slept on the floor because the mattress was still, you know, in the mail coming, you know. So first night I slept on the floor. Yeah, we did the same thing. Yeah, and then, like, the next day I had a nice bed. Uh, but, you know, it was not as dramatic as it sounds. But, uh, yeah, I had to just figure it out on my own, man. Like, I had to build a network up, had to get used to living on my own, uh, get used to working. Like, here's something that people don't talk about that they a lot, I think, and I was talking about this with my friend earlier today. Like, when you, a lot of people, they have a job they don't want to be at, usually. That's usually the typical thing. I have this job, I don't want to work for someone, yada, 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 and they want all this freedom and, like, all this free time, and they want to work from home and whatever, set their own schedule, which is, in my opinion, better. But, like, I had to get used to literally sitting in my apartment every day by myself with nobody around me and being disciplined to do the work in order to have the success be consistent. And I, I think that's a lot. It sounds great on paper, but it takes a long-ass yeah. time to get used to that because you have to be super consistent and self-motivated yeah. and like there's nobody watching you and like it's the, a little weird man the hardest about being self-employed you're self-employed and the guys that succeed in it they tend to have most of them than me they're very successful when they end their day their thought is did i do enough that day right the people that become self-employed and don't end up making are the guys that at 2 p.m no matter how big you get in your business how many yeah. people you hire if you're a true entrepreneur you're you're gonna find something to fill your time with work-wise, right? Oh, that moves that moves dude. some needle forward. So I mean, 100%, facts, I think that's dude. a big thing, dude. And I mean, I'm guessing from what you sounds, it obviously was a huge net positive moving out here, moving away. And oh, I tell people huge. that all the time that I coach and like, well, it's it's never bad. You can always go back, but yeah. I think getting out of your normal routine, like, like how much your environment impacts how you think, how you act, how you feel, and how you navigate the world. It's I didn't realize bad. that until I was down here. It's sunny every day. I'm outside every day. Um, You've learned to be more efficient with your work because it's not raining outside. You want to be sitting at your computer for ten hours. Exactly, dude. You, uh, it's just a different feel, man. And I mean, for you, you're on the other end of the country. Like, I'm, I moved south. You went to two Florida. Hours. My equivalent. Yeah, of I went Florida. to your Florida, right? So yeah. it's not nearly the same. But at the same time, man, I just wanted to ask that question. Yeah, it's so powerful. it was a big jump, dude. And yeah. I, I remember when I first moved here. Like, it's funny how the mind works. And like, I'm certainly no therapist or anything like that. But I remember, like, in my head in New York, I was like. All I, I remember one time I drove, like, where I'm from, I drove to this, like, mountaintop in New York. And I was just, like, sitting up there by myself, and I didn't, the business wasn't doing very good, and I didn't have a lot of money. And I was like, if only I could move to California and have enough money to be in California, that would be the best thing in the world yeah. ever. And I got yeah. all that, like, less than a year Isn't later. Isn't crazy? And then you just, you just get used to it and move yeah. on. Yeah. I come to California, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm by myself right now. Like, I got everything I wanted at the time. And like, it just, it's just funny, like the goalpost just keeps moving and then your standard raises and then all of a sudden like, you never, want it never different ends. things. And dude, it will yeah, never end. And I've accepted that and I think that gives me a lot of peace in my life, honestly. Yeah, I think the same for me, dude. It's like, you get the boat, cool, then you're on the boat. And then we're on the boat, we're filming a podcast and it's like, yeah, dude. it's like, well, it's a boat. You get and then the, you get the car, you're like, it's a car. You get the, you car, get the house, you get the watch, like, you get the vacation. Like, you just get used to everything. Yeah, dude, it's crazy, it's, dude. It gets, you get the sense, dude, I went to Japan for four days last week flew there business class flew back business class like stayed in like the night one of the nicest hotels there and it was awesome and i'm not gonna like lie it was a great but but like it's just you just get used to it man mm -hmm. it, it, i'm grateful for it at the same time but it's not like i think in the beginning when you go from like absolutely nothing that's the best feeling dude the best feeling oh on, my the god the best feeling on earth is the first couple wires that hit or when you're doing the sales and you're doing the dispo and every single wire that hits is if every 30 grand you see, every 40 grand you see, you're like... Your bank goes... And like, it's not that that's still not meaningful money. It's just when you're... It is. When it's that's so new to you... Oh, my God, It's dude. like... And now money goes in and out so rapidly, you're like, you're so desensitized. Oh, my but God, dude. It's, I wanted to... Like, like the last show, the guy uh, he was talking about, he was like... Logan, he was sitting here, he was like, my first deal was 2500 and I called my dad. I'm like, that wasn't that good a deal. My dad was like, 
do you realize most 60% of Americans don't have a thousand dollars for an emergency? Yeah. And you do, you just get so desensitized. Dude, where, I mean, I'm it's glad, so yeah. funny you say that because I was thinking like, with like I. Like a lot of people say they want to be an entrepreneur, but then when you got to write a twenty-five thousand dollars check in the matter of two hours, they're like out of oh. nowhere. Yeah. yeah, like I looked at like where I started, and like oh my god, I got to spend two grand on direct mail. And now it's like pay the contractor like eighty Gs in the last three weeks or whatever. Yeah. It's like you just get used to like the velocity it's just of that money. Yeah, yeah, in and out. Like your emotional attachment to money goes away. It's just you just yeah, it's just the straight numbers, man. Like and you know like you're gonna get an ROI on that. Like you're spending this money for a reason. Like it's just you just. I feel like as you grow, like you just get used to the new problems. But like, if someone who's brand new is like, I couldn't imagine spending fifty grand a month in overhead. But like, once you grow enough to get to that point, it's like it's almost like it never like it doesn't even bother you because you're just so normal. What do you feel like the biggest mental roadblock or limiting belief you that you've had to overcome in the past say three to four years that's helped you scale um, income, business, all that kind of stuff? Like something that you that now you can look back and go, man, I struggled with that, and it was so obvious and so right in yeah. front of me. Like for me, it's a very it's a very easy thing about just understanding how to buy back time. And yeah. once I made that shift of how can I do something, that who can I get to do this for? Yeah, me, that's a good one. That changed my life forever. But do you, do you have one of those um, things? Um, I think it was spending money on marketing, like really, like pull it, like like going hard and from not, like what seeing it as an expense you didn't want to spend yeah. to now seeing it as like as an a, investment. A, yeah, dude, yeah. because like if you think about, I think that was it, man. Because I was so scared, even like when I was making some money in Texas, I was like everything was net, everything was free, it was all just like you know I had no real expenses and it was like making good money. So when I started like spending five, ten, fifteen G's a month, like. I was like, oh crap, like this is like scary as hell. But I knew like with at the top, like I knew like with that money was gonna produce an ROI. And then like it forced me and then eventually my team to be to take it seriously. Like, oh, we're gonna get these leads coming and we gotta work these leads hard. We and then obviously we got better at sales because of that, because we took that seriously, because we spend that money. Um, I think that was probably the biggest one to really like kind of get to the growth mode where we're like we can actually you know, do a respectable amount of deals now and be in the seven figures and all that kind of stuff, it really came down to like spending that money consistently and persistently on marketing and, um, you know, really understanding how that works and like you're gonna, it's just all about ROI and you cut the stuff that's not working, you increase the stuff that is working and like also like looking at another thing too, another belief, this is like a little more of a strategy, is like I used to just wholesale everything and that certainly is a great strategy but some of the biggest deals I've ever done were never wholesales. They were flips, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, could have made 30, 40 on a wholesale, made 90, 100 on a flip. So I think It goes able, both ways, though. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. definitely does. But I was just telling you off yeah, camera, yeah. yeah. I, there is some flips. There is, I think, be, learning how to do flips and, like, learning how to raise private money and learning how to work with contractors has been a very valuable, especially now because I buy rentals and stuff. So, like, that has helped a lot. Um, I think that skill set has definitely helped me level up. Um, and especially too, like when we're, sometimes we're doing deals and it's like, eh, seller's a little unique. I don't think we should wholesale this out. Like, let's just buy it. And then, you know, usually we end up making, usually end up making more money doing that. But having multiple exit strategies, I think with the caveat of some people, they want to sub two, they want to owner finance, they want to do all this crazy yeah. shit. And like, it doesn't like, well, they're making, they're making chicken months. feed. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're working for free yeah. basically. But like, I think if you can wholesale and flip and maybe do a novation, those are all similar transactions where your like objective is to transact one off, but like if you're trying to do like owner finance deals and like then sub two, I just think that can kind of cause you to really get in trouble. 
uh, if you try to do like everything at once, because like a sub to an owner finance is usually more of a rental play, and then a flip and a wholesale and a novation is more of just a transactional play. So I think being careful and like not listening to all these gurus online or like, oh, if you could buy it creatively, it's a good deal. It's like, no, it's not. Like I literally just put out a subject two deal today that I'm gonna buy if I can't sell like wholesale and I haven't had a single reply back. And it's not a bad deal, mm-hmm. but like people make it seem like well, this creative stuff is like the best thing ever. And it's, it's cool, but I wouldn't say it's anything. Oh, it's something to sell a course. Yeah, yeah, dude, exactly. It's, 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 it's appealing, but it's not, if you really look under the hood, like it's just another you know, set of problems you gotta learn how to solve, you know? Wow, great show, you guys. Thanks for sticking around for the last hour or so. Myself and Greg, we covered a lot of topics, including um, not just specific to real estate, but overall business tactics and how you can scale and really get, not only get started, but really get your footing and, and build towards whatever your definition of wealth is and where you want to take your life. So as always, a share, a follow, a, um, a comment, a DM means the world. We do take your guys' feedback into account when it comes to guests on the show and topics we cover. Um, and as always, you guys, whether you listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, if you could subscribe and leave us a review, that means the world. And until next time, you are only one deal away.